Hey, you're listening to The Brand Cure. I'm your host, Ashley Chimey, and I'm here to help you embrace your vision, tell your story, and build your one-of-a-kind brand so you can thrive by being you and leave your mark on the world. I have such a treat for you today, especially if you are building a business and a brand that are all about making an impact. Today's episode is about how to be the person your customer trusts and loves buying from, the lessons we all have to unlearn about interacting online, how to break through the noise of the online space, and the essentials of building a healthy sales mindset as a heart-centered, mission-driven entrepreneur. And to do all that, I had a virtual sit-down with a bonafide expert in creating impact-driven startups and helping other women do the same. So let's go ahead and meet our guest and dive into the conversation. So my guest today is Sophia Sunwoo. Sophia has been an active player in the startup game for 14 years. She is the founder of Ascent Strategy, which has a mission of helping women-led startups articulate their vision and get their companies off the ground. She delivered a TEDx talk a couple years ago on how businesswomen are received and perceived in countries where women don't typically occupy positions of power. It's an incredible talk. You can look it up on YouTube. And Sophia shares her insights from her experience co-founding a clean water nonprofit in Cameroon and India. She's a longtime New Yorker, but lucky for me, she lives here in Boulder now, Colorado, and I'm excited to finally meet her in person, hopefully soon, but today, just delighted to have her here on the podcast. So, Sophia, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I'm really excited to chat with you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you really love to serve and why? Yeah, so I really love serving women entrepreneurs. And I got to this place because I've been in the startup game for such a long time. You know, I started my first company when I was 19. And throughout my whole experience of building businesses, I had come across so many different challenges as a woman entrepreneur. And I had to sort through a lot of bad information and a lot of missteps and step backs. And, you know, I think the startup world has definitely uh, changed in the last couple of years, but we can still do better. Uh, there is still a lot of discrepancies and um, inequality when it comes to how many female-led startups are funded versus male-led startups. So with my current business assignment strategy, I really just wanted to create that space where I can condense everything I've learned in the past decade and really share that with women um, in a space where they feel safe and in a space where they feel like they can really reveal their biggest weaknesses, their biggest challenges without judgment, and really use it as a stepping stool to step into their power fully. You know, sovereignty is a huge and important word for me. And I think that with a lot of women, they struggle with stepping into their sovereignty, stepping into their full power. So You know, my hope is that with my business, I can really help women uh, realize and actualize their potential within this lifetime. Oh my goodness. I feel like you just answered so many of my other questions, but that is just (laughs) incredible. And I've got to tell you, you are speaking my language and I just am so... Um, I have so much admiration for the work that you have done both in the, in the business world and in the nonprofit work that you've done. 
I love that you have highlighted this word sovereignty. I think that's so powerful because what you're describing sounds a lot like just taking that power back, taking that agency in our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. I love that word agency too. I just wrote that down. You know how like sometimes you forget words that are just like so powerful. (laughs) I was like, oh, I love that word agency. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Can you shed any light for us on the kinds of societal changes and community level changes that happen when more women step up into their power? Since you've probably seen some of this firsthand, I, I imagine that you have um, some some insights to share with us. Yeah, that's a great question. I've seen, you know, when women get more involved, there's just like another second tier of depth that's achieved. Um, a lot of considerations and perspectives and social uh observations are introduced. So for example, in one of the couple of the communities that we worked in, you know, there are questions like, we want to introduce this water system into the village, you know, it'll solve a million problems from health to mortality rates amongst babies being reduced and whatnot. But, you know, when you bring a woman from the community into the conversation, they'll actually introduce considerations like, well, okay, you'll introduce this water system, but did you ever consider that a lot of women actually like going to the dirty stream to collect water because that's a way for them to socialize with each other and actually Mm -hmm. like catch up. So like, if we take that consideration into place, we'll actually create a much stronger solution, a much stronger water product for the community Um, That'll stick for a longer time because it's taking these social considerations into place. So things like that, where, you know, someone can observe that as a man, maybe, but it's not until you hear the woman's perspective that you actually understand the purpose behind that um, thought that you're bringing up there. You just are able to create a stronger product, create a stronger solution when you integrate the observation and the emotional intelligence that women bring to the table. Oh, that is so fascinating. I just love how you frame that. You achieve a, a second or a deeper level of of depth and connectivity with with the social fabric and really what the reality is for these communities when you have the perspective of women who just see things through a different lens and have a totally different plane of experience and making decisions that are good for the community as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, you know, if, if you kind of look at our society and the country we live in, it it begs the question of just wow, you know, how many more systems, products, um, everything that we surround our world with, how much better could they have been if if we had more female leaders coming to the table? So yeah, there's definitely a lot of gaps that you can see when you kind of use that experience as a, a, a prime example of just like the immense benefit that you could receive by integrating more women. Oh, so good. So good. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to hear a little bit about what are some of the main obstacles that you see uh, your community facing when it comes to um, getting their startups off the ground and uh, building momentum in their business? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the there are three that really come to mind for me. I think the first one is creating an attention-worthy brand. When you are creating something that you've thought of in your head, the bias that you bring to the table is really, really strong. So you end up using this like super corporate language. You're super formal about it. It's not, it hasn't gone through the filter yet when you're first starting out of how do I talk about this in a way that is 
conversationally attractive. To me, that's a layer that most entrepreneurs don't hit until they pitch their business so many times in person and they get a bit more relaxed into how they're talking about the business and they're not so concerned about seeming so professional um, and they just give in to, no, I need to sell this thing. So let's forgive and let go of all this corporate language and talk about this in a way conversationally that people are going to really connect with. So that's a huge one. Um, the second one is just creating content that sells. Again, um, a lot of entrepreneurs hit this wall in the beginning of just being super formal about how they speak about everything and how they're even thinking about content. So um, getting to a place where your content is super attractive um, is a hard one in the beginning because you have this internal bias of, oh, I have so many different ways and things that I have to say about my product in order to uh, confirm its legitimacy and authority because that's our biggest Achilles heel in the beginnings. We're so fearful of not seeming legitimate. Uh, so that's a big one. Third big one is I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are integrating some kind of social good, some kind of heart-centered mission into their business. So I think that DNA, that integration of that DNA is kind of awkward in the beginning for many entrepreneurs. They don't know how to uh, integrate it in a way that feels authentic. And because there are so many businesses right now that are integrating social mission into their business, a lot of it comes off inauthentic. So um, doing that in a way that feels natural is kind of a challenge right now for a lot of new startups. Wow. Yes. Okay. Again, you're speaking my language and I feel like so much of what you just shared, there's kind of this overarching theme in my mind, or one of the threads that I'm hearing is we think this is what people want, right? We think mm -hmm. that they want um, us to prove that our product is legitimate. We think that they want to hear the corporate speak so that they feel like they can trust us. We think that they want to hear things in a certain way when really um, it kind of comes back to, okay, where is your heart in all of this? And why did you create this in the first place? Um, and really bringing that authentic connection and that storytelling and that human element into how you talk about what you're offering. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So good. I love it. So what are some of your favorite tips for someone who is experiencing this, who is struggling to um, to really communicate about their offers, their products and their services? How, how can they start moving past that? Yeah. So I think that the easiest way for me to frame it is when it comes to creating attention-worthy brands, creating um, eye-catching content, it's really all about just humanizing the experience of what you're creating here. Um, I think that especially because we've now entered a digital age where, especially with COVID, like so many of us are only selling things online at this point. And what's really awkward about that is that all of us have not learned any kind of social etiquette when it comes to selling online. We kind of were just introduced to this world and we're like, okay, figure it out, figure out how to socialize in this digital space. And therefore, yes, a lot of us have forgotten that when we sell in person, we do this thing where we get to know the person we're selling to. We see if there's any connections between us. Oh, like you're from New York too. Cool. Like let's, you know, there's like some kind of link there that we try to connect with the other human being um, that we're speaking to. And we've kind of forgotten about that uh, etiquette when it comes to selling online. So 
I think for me, the solution for all of those, these two challenges is just understanding, like, you're in a courtship here, like, kind of like if you are going on a date, what do you have to do? And what do you have to speak about in order to create that chemistry? Uh, what is how are you going to phrase certain things? And what kind of stories are you going to tell so that the person on the other end is pretty hooked and wants to continue the conversation? So for me, using that kind of concept as a North Star is the best way to help you navigate regardless of what industry you're in. Um, if you just have that thought in your mind of, if I'm on a day right now, how am I going to frame this conversation? How am I going to frame this content so that it's really interesting to the other person? It's obviously not going to be corporate because that's super boring. No one likes going on a job interview on a date. <laughs> So, you know, so how are you going to frame this in a way that's super enticing and hooks the person on the other end? So for me, that's kind of the easiest way for me to talk about it. So that rather than me rambling on like different tactics, tactics and whatnot, because I think tactics are different for every type of business. So um, just understanding that and also understanding the power of influence, you know, we as human beings don't like buying from people we don't like. So if you are looking at your brand as a human being, understanding your power of influence, like how do I create myself into the brand that people actually like being around, people like hearing from. So really taking that to heart, you know, there's no, uh, I'm not shocked at all that Kylie Jenner has created the empire that she has. And, you know, she was named the youngest billionaire. Um, that's not surprising to me because she did a really great job of understanding her power of influence and humanizing her brand and using that as a stepping stool to create this empire. Uh, so even looking at influencers as an example is a great way to just understand this is the market we're in now. We're no longer in a market where corporate thrives, like legitimacy, authentic, like the authority aspect that people are so obsessed with in the beginning, like that doesn't really matter that much anymore. It's really all about how humanized you are. How can I relate to you and how powerfully can I relate to you? Um, so yeah, I would say that's my biggest tip for the first two, as far as like mission and integrating that with social good. Uh, yeah, like people, especially so many consumers can smell inauthenticity from a mile away. They can smell when you're using social good uh, as a manipulation tool to get people to buy from you. Like I've seen so many brands right now where they do things like, oh, if you buy a pair of sunglasses, you also get, you, you also donate a pair to um, someone in the developing world. It's like Warby Parker initially created that concept for their business. And the reason why what they're doing really works is because the founders, um, I don't know if they founded Vision Spring or if they just worked for Vision Spring, but that was what they were working on prior to Warby Parker. So like they dedicated years of their lives uh, to a social mission. So you understand that this is an extension of their human. Like this is something that they've been passionate about forever. So it feels really authentic that they, of course, created a for-profit company where a huge chunk of their revenue goes towards 
training facilitators that will give eye tests to people in low-income communities and empower them to actually have access to eyeglasses and see again. You know, Warby Parker's concept is actually they're training people, they're educating people because they know that education is, teaching a man to fish is a much more effective way of impacting people on a social level versus just giving them product. So someone who really shows that this is a part of their DNA, that they're not messing around here, they're not faking you out just because it looks good on a website to say that uh, your purchase goes towards a social cause. Those are the types of brands that really um, elevate the game when it comes to building kind of these hybrid businesses that are not only doing work for profit, but also uh, moving some kind of social uh, cause forward. Oh my goodness. There's so much to unpack there. I just want to reflect back a few parts of this because I'm taking down some notes as, as you were explaining to us. One thing that I just felt like that that metaphor between communicating about your business and dating is so powerful because I think you're right. We slip into this other mode, right? When we're promoting our business and we forget everything that we've learned over the whole course of our lives about connecting with others. And the the piece of it that floats the top over and over again for me is listening, right? We, we love talking to people who just listen, who ask good questions, who are interested in our situation. And yet, like you were saying in this online space, we've all kind of fallen into a pattern or, or many of us have of just making as much noise as possible, which doesn't do well on a date, right? <laughs> um, what does well on a date or when you're meeting someone new or just connecting with somebody else is listening and being genuinely curious about, about the other person. So I just love, I love that metaphor so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's something you have to constantly remind yourself of. I I think that it's uh, something we a lot of us have to reverse like what we've learned so far of just like the social interactions online being super stoic. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to kind of make it a habit to constantly remind yourself about um, stewarding your online relationships that way. Yes, 100%. So let's pivot a little bit because much of the work that you do, I imagine, revolves around mindset. This is a huge focus that I that I work through with my clients. So mm-hmm. how can heart-centered entrepreneurs who, like you've said, they're really showing up for a mission that they want to pursue, they're really showing up for a cause they want to help advance, how can they cultivate a healthy sales and money mindset? How can they adopt the thinking and the thought patterns that they need in order to promote their offers and Um, and get their offers into the right hands? Yeah, so I think that the biggest downfall of a lot of heart-centered entrepreneurs is that they tend to either give things at a big discount or give things away for free because they they wouldn't want someone to miss out on the experience of receiving something that they've created. I mean, I've seen a lot, I saw a lot of this recently with everything that's been going on in the world because the world was in a financial recession and like everything with Black Lives Matter, finding those opportunities to give back is really great, but you have to really understand where your line is as far as where am I robbing people of the experience of what I've created here if I give this away? I think Mm -hmm. that um, there's a lot of studies out there that actually say that the moment that you give someone 
something for free, like a course or whatever, you'll actually see that their engagement rate plummets. Like they're not as interested in course completion or anything like that. And I really value that data point because I can apply it to every single heart-centered entrepreneur out there when it comes to them uh, weighing the options as far as giving something away for free or at a big discount. You're not helping anyone by doing that. You know, I kind of use the example of if someone is a painter and they painted this beautiful like five foot piece that's like gigantic. And let's say it's like a thousand dollars. And if I see that painting and it's just like so moving to me, I want it. Absolutely. I'm going to do everything I can to save up that money to buy that piece. And then when I buy that piece, I'm going to be just like so excited about it. I'm going to be telling all my friends about it. I'm going to be inviting people to my home so that they see the piece. And if that artist were to discount that painting severely or give it to the person for free, you rob that person of that experience of saving up the money of like getting super hyped about it, of super excited to bring that painting to their home. You have to look at the work that you're doing in that context as well of what are you robbing people of when you give something at a discount for free. That to me is a huge thing. And then energy exchange is really important to me. I drain out of energy very easily. So energy management is something I need to do a lot. So you'll rarely see me giving things away for free, giving sessions away for free, things like that, because I just do not have the energy to um, maintain that kind of behavior. Uh, I give so much energy into the clients that I work with that uh, I would be drawing from a half empty cup if I constantly were giving things away for free. So really understanding what your currency is as far as if that currency was drained, would that put you into a very dangerous territory of not fostering a healthy mindset for yourself? So I think for me, bringing awareness for you of figuring out what's your currency, you might be someone that has a ton of energy and energy is not your issue. Uh, Maybe money is more your issue. Um, But at the end of the day, I feel like every single, every single thing in the world leads to and affects money. So money is kind of like the end result here, but kind of thinking through and bringing awareness to what that currency is that really, really affects you, and ultimately snowballs into how much of a healthy money mindset you have and things like that. Yes. I mean, I think that part of Um, choosing to hire someone or choosing to buy a painting or choosing to buy something that feels really meaningful for you is making it a bigger part of your story by kind of going through the journey of acquiring that thing and experiencing that thing. Um, And I think that you're right. It does kind of lose some of its meaning and some of that internal commitment that you've made to yourself and to your vision and what you want to create when it just is suddenly free. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's something that I, again, is something you have to remind yourself all the time because it's so easy to slip. You're basically reversing years of life where you kind of solidified this mindset and solidified this behavior. So something you definitely, I really recommend like people um, on a daily basis, just remind themselves of this. So I would love to hear you share a little bit, if you would, about what you would love to see in your biography of your life a hundred years from now. Um, What kinds of things would you hope that 
you read and that others read about you and, and what you created in the world? This is such a great question. So I think for me, one thing I'm always striving towards is just helping people meet their highest selves. The saddest story I've ever heard is someone not fulfilling their potential and basically just walking through life like a zombie. Sometimes in order for you to activate your highest self, you need someone to bring that out of you. And, you know, my mission and goal is to always create the products, the spaces, the containers, whatever it may be in order to activate that in people. Ah, that's so good. I love it. So I would love to know as we're kind of uh, nearing the end of our conversation here, Sophia, would you mind sharing with us what's one area where you are currently expanding your comfort zone? Maybe you're picking up a new skill or you're learning to um, handle things differently. It could be really anything, but so many of my listeners and so many people in my community are in the process of expanding their comfort zones. And I think since you have been in this world for so long, and I know personal development is such an important part of what you do, what does it look like for you to expand your comfort zone and, and how does that look for you right now? Yeah, so I'm kind of in this phase of life where I feel like I've uncovered and addressed a lot of like past traumas, especially when it comes to business. And for me, um, what I'm kind of working on now is just understanding how do I take that experience and move forward in life and with a healthy relationship with that trauma. I think that a lot of us uh, can easily fall into the trap of being woe is me, I've went, I've went through all this crazy stuff, my life is so intense, and I don't want to be the person that's stuck in that. I want to really be the person that has digested that trauma and can really move forward to empower others rather than perseverating on like the pain of it. So for me, that's a huge uh, journey that I'm on and understanding how to just be a healthy person that's like moved forward from it and kind of use it as a tool rather than like an Achilles heel that just constantly reminds me of what I've been through. I'd much rather move forward from it in a powerful way and use it as a tool to help other people. I, that is so relatable. So much of our journeys as entrepreneurs is realizing that the struggles we've been through and even the struggles we're going through now are part of how we are going to be strong for others in the future and mm -hmm. the gifts that we bring to the table. And so many of our strengths come from our, from our greatest uh, challenges and failures. And, um, and I think that that's really beautiful that that's kind of what you're focusing on right now. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Sophia. So you got started in business when you were pretty young. And I know that things have changed so much, but if you were to reach back in time and give some advice to your younger self in your first year or two of business, even though things have changed a lot, what kind of advice would, would you want to give your younger self? Because I think that whatever you share can be really powerful for, for all of us today who are, who are listening and tuning in. I think that what I would tell myself is to have more patience and take it slow. I think Honestly, with every single business I've built so far, I've always built these businesses really, really quickly in the beginning, um, almost like my body was on fire and I had to just do everything as quickly as possible to set the fire out. Like that was really the speed at which I've built these past businesses. And honestly, I think, uh, you know, something I'm practicing now is like moving forward with any future business I build. I'm being really thoughtful and slow about it because um, I, I think that when you introduce slowness to your thinking process, 
you're really allowing these ideas to mature like a fine wine where you're able to create something that is beyond surface level. It's really something where there are a couple of businesses out there where when you hear about their mission and you see what they're doing, you're just kind of like enamored by them because it's just incredibly thoughtful and you're just super attracted and fascinated by how that founder got to where they were to create that business that they did. And it's usually those types of people are people that spent years ruminating on that idea and that concept. And therefore were able to get themselves to a place where the idea is just so sophisticated and it's incredibly impressive in that way. So for me, I would say taking it slow and having patience, there is a huge competitive edge to that. Uh, that not many people can copy from you if you really give yourself the time to think on a, a new concept, a new idea. Wow. I could not love that more. I think that that's such a countercultural idea of slowness in business. I mean, there is no shortage of books written and articles written and voices telling us all the time, fail fast and uh, and do things as quickly as possible, get it out there. I don't know about you, but I'm very much an introvert. Are you an introvert? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And our, our brains just work differently, right? We, we take a little bit longer to process because we are considering so many more threads and we are making so many more connections. My best ideas and my best offers and strategic projects have come from weeks and months of thinking and sitting on an idea and letting it marinate. Has that been your experience? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like even with like an idea I've been kicking around right now, like I've just been seeing it blossom and I'm, and I'm just like, oh man, I wish I did this like for my past couple of businesses. <laughs> uh, but it, it takes a, you know, a lot of us aren't in a place that we can do that either. You know, that's another stressor is like, you know, with my past three businesses, maybe not the first one, but with the second and my current one, I was definitely in a place financially where I was like, I need to make money like now. Um, so I definitely get that there are certain situations where it's not possible, but I also could have easily put myself in a situation where I could have taken a side job that really um, allowed me to cover all my bills quickly and um, given me the time to explore and think about my ideas a bit more. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> right. <laughs> so good. So good. So where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm really active on Instagram. That's where I share, you know, a lot of free information. I'm constantly on Instagram stories. So you can find me at Ascent with Sophia. My website is ascent-strategy.com. A lot of free resources on there as well. And also I have my sales mastery program coming up. Um, this is like my most transformational program. Um, this is a group program where I basically help entrepreneurs who are either trying to turn their side hustle into a full-time business. This is the program you take in order to increase your sales, finally get to the point where you can go full-time and have a real business. Um, centered around what you love. Um, I basically spill every single best practice secret I have um, in order to master your sales for your business. So yeah, that's coming up in a couple of weeks in September. So um, definitely feel free to go to my website. It's basically just ascent-strategy.com slash sales mastery and you can find all the info on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like I've learned so much from you and 
uh, I'm just really excited to get to hang out and have a cup of coffee soon once once the quarantine uh, season has passed. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. This was so fun. And I love the depth of our conversation. Wow. Thank you again, Sophia, for all the insight and perspective you shared with us. If you are building your mission-driven business, remember, like Sophia said, your business will be so much stronger and go so much further when you connect with people on a human level. When you truly value the transformational work that you do, your voice and your presence are so needed at the table. I hope today's episode put a smile on your face. And if you'd like to put one on mine, be sure to subscribe and leave a review sharing your experience with the show. I would love to know that you're getting something out of what I share with you. Be well, my friend, and I'll see you next time.